It is Friday, December 29th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Browns clinch a playoff spot. And we're getting oh so close to bowl games that matter. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Joe Flacco continues the unthinkable. Bowl season resumes. The New Year's Six kicks off tonight. And the Pistons just come up short. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? Well, we have to get into that Pistons-Celtics game because, believe it or not, oh. the most heavily bet on NBA money line last night was the Detroit Pistons. But we'll talk oh. about that coming up in a few minutes. But let's start with the NFL. Week 17 kicked off last night with the Browns beating the Jets on Thursday night football, 37-20, and clinching a playoff spot. And at 11-5 and now, AJ, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but the Browns are actually, like, alive for the number one overall seed in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a long shot would take the, the Ravens losing a couple games, but this is a – I've been saying this for a while, and I'm not not like I, I knew they were as good as they've been, and not that I knew Joe Flacco was going to be what he's been, but I've been saying it doesn't matter who's quarterbacking this Browns team as long as it's not P.J. Walker. The defense is so good that this team is going to contend no matter what. And it's crazy to think, imagine if they had Nick Chubb, what they'd be. like. I mean, if this team, if they had a healthy Nick Chubb, a healthy Deshaun Watson, how good could they be? I mean, this is a, a phenomenal story. And they've made the Jets look like, like they didn't belong on the field yesterday for the most part. This was a, the, the final score was closer than the game, and the final score was 37 to 20. So it, it, the Jets mm-hmm. just, they're done. They are done, done, done. There's no more betting on the Jets. Yeah, uh, 34 points in the first half for the Browns. They did score a defensive touchdown as a part of that. Joe Flacco finishes with 309 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception, an incredible interception by Jermaine uh, Johnson, returned for a touchdown, tipping the pass up to himself. But yeah, 309 yards now uh, for Flacco in his fifth game as the starting quarterback for the Browns. He is 4-1 and one in those five games and has thrown for over 300 yards in all four of their wins. Yeah, pretty incredible, man. Like, I, I know the DeMar Hamlin story is is nice. I, Joe Flacco's got to be the comeback player of the year. Like, he, he's led the Browns to the playoffs. There's... I get the narrative is like DeMar Hamlin almost died, but he hardly plays. Joe Flacco came off his couch and is going to the playoffs. This this feels like what the what the award was made for comeback player of the year. Looking right now up on the DraftKings Sportsbook, DeMar Hamlin's minus 150. Joe Flacco's even money. And I'm telling you, it's it's a voted on award and people are going to remember what they saw most recently and the voting is votes have to be handed in after next week because it is a regular season award. Joe Flacco is going to win this thing. He's going to be the comeback is, man. man of the year. I think he is. And I'll be honest, this like 
this team is dangerous in the playoffs. Let, let's just let, let's let's do a little math here. Let's say they're the five seed. That would put them up against the AFC South champion. I, I don't care where the game is played. I would take the Browns over any team in the AFC South on a neutral or are on uh, on the road. And then if they are if they end up being the six seed, you're talking about them possibly going to Kansas City. I don't think this is the kind of team that Kansas City wants to play. This offense is struggling as it is. Imagine what they'd look like with the the best defense or one of the best defenses in the league on the other side of the ball. Like the Browns are a team that I I absolutely think can go on the road and, and get a win in the playoffs. And you and I talked about this several weeks ago about Kevin Stefanski being the coach of the year. He is now your favorite up on the DraftKings Sportsbook, minus 275 to be the coach of the year. He's had four different quarterbacks. Yep. He he lost arguably the, the second or third best running back in the league. I, I mean, everything's worked against this team. Like everything has said this team shouldn't be as good as they are. Yet here we are, eleven and five. The Brown, I mean, mm-hmm. the Browns could potentially win twelve games, and Stefanski's the first, the first coach to lead the Browns to multiple playoff appearances in his tenure since Marty Schottenheimer in the eighties. Like going to the playoffs once, if you're a head coach for the Browns, is a big deal. Going twice just doesn't happen. It, it, it I mean, it, this is the the second time in my life that it's happened. So. Uh, this is, it really has been an incredible season for him. And I'm not like a, I'm not a big Stefanski guy. I I, I thought when he was the coach of the year, the first time I was like, this guy is not that good of a coach. How can this be? Mm -hmm. But uh, whatever he's doing is working. And I I think you have to sometimes set your, uh, your preconceived notions aside, your preconceived like, uh, thoughts about a guy and say, this is what he's done this year. And what he's done this year is just, it's undeniable. Yeah, no one's done a better job with less than what Kevin Stefanski has done in Cleveland. All right, let's take a look at the schedule here for the rest of Week 17. There is one game on Saturday. It's the Lions taking on the Cowboys in Dallas, and usually that means good things for Dallas playing at home. They are five-and-a-half-point favorites. The total is 52, AJ. Yeah, I like the Dallas team total over here. I, I don't trust this Detroit defense. And listen, they, they the Cowboys are just, they just score thirty points every game at home. They've they've done it literally against every team. They did it against the Jets defense when the Jets defense was good. They did it against the Patriots defense. What are they going to do to this shell of a unit that is Detroit? I mean, Nick, Nick Mullins put up over four hundred yards of offense last week uh, against Detroit. I, I can't imagine what Dak is going to do at home and. Dallas is, you know, they've, uh, they've, I think they're a little undervalued coming off losses to two high end AFC teams. I, I think we're, uh, we're buying in on Dallas at a good time. Uh, their offense wasn't great in those games, but that was on the road. We get to jump back in at home while the, while the market suppressed them a little bit. Although this is going to be one of the highest totaled games of the season uh, when it, when it closes. But uh, yeah, I, I like Dallas to get the job done, at least on offense. I, I don't, I don't know how much I trust Detroit to score, uh, which is why I'm staying away from the full game over. But I, I do think Dallas gets theirs. I, I think we have to look at Brandon Cooks, his receiving yards um, at home. He's averaging 67 yards per game versus just 19.4 on the road and going up against this Detroit defense, which is uh, pretty weak when it comes to limiting explosive plays. I think there could be a deep shot to Brandon Cooks in this game. So keep an eye on that if you're looking for your Saturday same game parlays. Moving on to Sunday, the 49ers in a get right spot in D.C. against the Commanders. Not 
Niners are laying 12 and a half. This is a high total as well of 50. Do the 49ers right the ship and blow out Washington? It, it feels like it. Uh, I, I, I don't know how much I trust the Niners defense. They're not as strong as they felt like they were a month ago. But I just don't think Washington's equipped to take advantage of it. This is this has turned into just a bad offense. They they got right a little bit last week against the Jets, but I, I've been saying the Jets are running out of steam. But mm-hmm. especially against a good team, since they traded away those pass rushers, they are one five and one ATS as dogs of more than a field goal. And I, I think the 49ers have a really, really bad taste in their mouth from that Ravens game. Uh they are on short rest, and I, I don't want to lay double digits on the road on short rest. But the 49ers are the only way I'd look here. Jacoby Brissett will start the game in place of the benched Sam Howell. Isn't it wild that like a month ago, it felt like the commanders found their their quarterback. And now, yeah. they, I mean, he's benched and he doesn't exist anymore. It's it's crazy how, how, how quickly things fell apart for Sam Howell. The Cardinals are at the Eagles. Philadelphia, a heavy favorite, laying 12 points at home. Total of 48 and a half. And... I gave out the Cardinals on the Dream Pot, AJ. I just think that Kyler Murray's running ability is going to be the difference in this game. We saw what Josh Allen was able to do running the football against the Eagles, and I think that they're going to struggle being able to contain Kyler Murray. I'm not saying that Arizona's going to go into Philly and pull an upset, but I do think they keep this one within the 12 points. I, I'm with you. Uh, the Eagles laying double digits, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't happen. The, the Eagles are, I, I think, maybe the 10th or 12th best team in the league. If you're the 10th or 12th best team in the league, you shouldn't lay double digits to anybody, even the Arizona Cardinals. I'm sorry. Uh, 0-2 as favorites of more than a touchdown this season, and that includes last week. I mean, the Eagles, they didn't have an answer for Tyrod Taylor in the second half last week. Mm -hmm. And I I get it, the Cardinals stink on defense, but I I think Arizona's going to be able to put up some points here. The Eagles' defense has, has been not nearly as good as it was early. They got zero sacks last week against the Giants. Everybody gets sacks against the Giants, and they couldn't do it. Arizona has an extra day of rest. Uh, I, the number keeps rising. I, I'm going to wait and see if I can get a 13, and if I do, I'm, I'm going to be in on Arizona. I, I like Arizona here at, at 12 already, uh, but for whatever reason, this line keeps pushing towards Philly. I, I'm, I guess I'm in the minority of people who think that Philly is just kind of an okay team, but uh, the, the market still seems to love them. The Eagles have 11 wins this year. Only two of them are by double digits. Yeah. That's that's something. Uh, moving on, the Patriots are at the Bills. We keep going with the high spreads here. Buffalo laying 13 at home against the Pats with a total of 40. Now, conventional wisdom would say take the points in a game, you know, 13 points in a game that's lined at 40. But that's not traditionally the case. It's not factually accurate, I I should say. Usually when you see things like this, it means that one team is scoring and the other team is not. And that makes a lot of sense given this matchup. Uh, I think the Bills had their flat spot last week against the Chargers. They they did not look good. And, you know, the the Patriots, you're you're obviously getting uh, your – I think you're buying low on Buffalo because like, oh, they almost lost to the Chargers and you're selling high on, on New England who got an outright win last week. I think this is a Josh Allen game. I think we see him throw the ball. It's hard to run on New England, and Josh Allen's had a couple weeks where he hasn't done a whole lot, and I think this is a good chance for him to make something happen. He has dominated the Patriots recently, and in the post-Brady era, the Bills, are they're 6-2 and two straight up, but their average straight-up margin is over 14 points per game. That includes the losses. So when you, even when you factor in the two losses, they're still winning by 14 points per game uh, in those eight games, and – it looks like Micah Hyde going to be back. Daquan Jones 
looks like he's going to be back. These are big pieces for Buffalo's defense. And Jabril Peppers, maybe one of the, the top five safeties in the league, didn't play last week with a hamstring, hasn't been to practice this week. So I, I think this is a good uh, smash spot for Buffalo. And I think they want to build some confidence going into – this is their last home game. I think they want to mm-hmm. build some confidence going into this game against Miami next week. Over the last uh, three years, so going back to the start of the 2021 season, when you have a team that is favored by 12 or more with a game that is a total of 40 or less, so that's what we have here, a 13-point favorite and a line of 40, and people would say, take the dog. Well, the favorite, 3-1 and one against the spread since 2021. Uh, moving on, we have finally normal spreads. Uh, the Ravens, <laughs> three-point favorites. At home against the Dolphins, total of 47. Uh, the three and a half seemed to be gone. That was the number in the Westgate Super Contest, and that's yeah. where I took the Dolphins at at three and a half. So I love the value getting here on the three and a half, but I think the Dolphins could win this thing outright. I looked at what the 49ers did last week against the Ravens, and even though they lost the game, you know, you could argue they outplayed Baltimore, if not for four Brock Purdy interceptions that stalled out drives. They outgained them. They put up the third most yardage last week in the entire NFL, and the Dolphins' offense is very similar schematically and probably better with Tyreek Hill. Now, I know Waddle is questionable and might not play in this game, but I still think that the Dolphins can do things against this Ravens defense that that you know can't afford a letdown off the high of beating the 49ers in a potential Super Bowl preview. Yeah, and both these teams have look ahead against rivals next week. Miami's uh, got Buffalo coming, and and Baltimore's got Pittsburgh. But uh, I, I think both teams are all ultra focused here, given that this is basically f- for the one seed. Uh, if if Baltimore wins this game, they are the one seed in the AFC. I, I think this is a big deal to them. I just think at three, I think the value falls back onto Baltimore. Uh, I, I think they are the clear best team in the AFC. I don't even think – I think Miami's the third best team in the AFC. So um, if you, even if you say one point for, for home field, I, I, I like Baltimore minus two on a neutral against Miami. So I, I like Baltimore here at three. I think you were on the right – in the contest at three and a half, I, I want nothing to do with Baltimore. But at three, mm-hmm. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back the birds here. The Bucks are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Saints with a total of 42. Money coming in on New Orleans here. Can Baker Mayfield keep this up? I mean, you want, we talk about Joe Flacco, comeback player of the year. Baker Mayfield could be comeback player of the year. These are the same team. Uh, the, neither one of these teams – like, I'm glad it came off the three, at least for, for Tampa. It didn't make sense for Tampa to be a three-point favorite against anyone. Uh, the Bucks have been field goal favorites twice this year. They went 0-1-1 ATS. Like, they are not supposed to be a favorite team. And Baker, in particular, is not great as a favorite. 13-25 and 25 as a favorite in his career. Uh, I think the Saints are the more desperate team here. Carr's been inconsistent, but so has Baker. Baker's just been better the last couple games. I, I don't mm-hmm. believe that he's any better than Derek Carr. In division, where home field doesn't mean a whole lot, I still feel like two and a half is is there's still a little bit of value on the Saints. I don't. I'm not in a hurry to back the Saints. I, I don't like the Saints. I think the Saints are. Terrible, I like the Saints. I like the I Saints as a teaser spot here. Yeah, I do too. Because I, again, I, I think there's this is a pretty low variance game. I don't think either team gets blown out here. Uh, but again, I think these teams are about equal from a power rating standpoint. So uh, any any plus next to uh, to New Orleans is is pretty. It, it seems like gravy to me. 
The Rams are at the Giants. L.A. laying five and a half, total of 43. Tyrod Taylor will get the start as Tommy DeVito, the Tommy DeVito experience is over. Yeah, I think I'm I'm starting to like as this number starts to push more towards six. You know, I I bet it closes at six. I don't know that I want to lay that kind of a number on the road with the Rams, but what I am going to do is I'm going to back the Rams on the team total over. Uh, I I think that the the real factor here is the Giants' inability to stop the run. Kyron Williams has been an absolute monster, and the Giants cannot stop the run. They are pathetic against the run. And it, all it's done is made Stafford better. Stafford's fourth in QBR this year. Like, this is an elite offense. How many offenses have a top five running back in the league, which whether you believe it or not, that's what Kyron Williams is this year. Matt Stafford is a top five quarterback this year. And they've got three wide receivers you can trust, even with Atwell hurt. Like, this is an, an elite offense going against a defense that's just dead. Uh, I, I think the Rams are focused here. This is a game that basically gets them into the playoffs. A lot of people are saying, well, they've got look ahead to the Niners next week, but the Niners might not even be playing guys next week. Like, yeah. So I, I think you get a fully focused effort on the road from the Rams. And the Giants have another matchup with their rival next week against Philly. So I, I don't see like a, a, like a, a focus edge for either team here. If anything, I, the Rams have something to play for and the Giants don't. I like the Rams to put up a bunch of points here. So uh, give me the Rams. I, I, I'd probably like the full game over as well uh, because mm-hmm. I do think Tyrod Taylor's an upgrade over DeVito. The Raiders are at the Colts. Indy laying three and a half, total of 42 and a half. And there's something about this Raiders team, AJ. And, and sometimes we talk about, I mean, we talked about it with the Lions uh, going back to when they hired Dan Campbell, is that teams take on the attitude of their head coach. And I think what Antonio Pierce has done over the several weeks that he has been the coach of this Raiders team is injected some life and attitude into this team. Now, Aiden O'Connell's not playing great. And if, you know, I I probably, that's nice of you to say it like that. Yeah. But I mean, he's (laughs) to me, he's not the starting quarterback next season. Um, But this defense is playing inspired led by Max Crosby. And I know he had some injury concerns this week. But I think this Raiders team is playing hard. They are still alive for a playoff spot, and I like them catching the three and a half. Yeah, I mean, well, r- reminder, so are the Colts. I know the, I know the Colts finally lost a game. I, we've been saying, and I, I'm, I agree the Colts aren't like some kind of good team. I, I think they've been a fraud all season long, but they finally got it caught up to them last week against the Falcons. I just can't buy the Raiders right now coming off their two best wins of the season. They humiliated the Chargers, and then they went into Arrowhead and won despite the fact that their offense was pathetic. I, I just feel like this has got to be the the most hyped the Raiders have been all season. That's not the time I'm looking to buy into somebody. Uh, we still don't think we're going to have Josh Jacobs here. And I, I like the idea that they won a game where they didn't complete a pass after the first quarter is, is just yeah. so phony. I can't back a team like that the next week. So I, I generally directionally agree with you, but I just think it's a terrible time to buy into the Raiders. The Panthers are at the Jaguars. Jacksonville laying six at home, total of 38. And with all the issues that Trevor Lawrence is dealing with, and, you know, kudos to him, right, for just yeah, never he's a tough missing dude, man. a game. Tough dude. Never missing a game. Um, but I don't know. Look, he didn't practice again yesterday. If We could have a situation where he actually does play but doesn't finish the game more so more than last week where, you know, Beathard played the fourth quarter last week. Maybe CJ Beathard plays more than that this week. I think Carolina is playing good football. I mean, you look at the stats since they fired Frank Reich, 
they are better defensively, better offensively than, than, than the Jaguars who have dipped. I think Jacksonville is just a no-touch team right now. I agree. I want to fade the Jags here, especially with the, the, the question mark around Trevor Lawrence's availability. But because they've been one of the worst teams in the league for the last month, but Carolina has just been so bad on the road. Like it, it scares me to, to bet this team on the road. I mean, Bryce young coming off the best game of of his career. You know, he's been competent for two weeks in a row, but that was at home. I want to play the Panthers here. I don't think I have the balls to do it, but the the Jags, I'm done touching the Jags. I I, I think the Jags are the most, the most phony of the teams that are potentially in the playoff mix here. The Titans are at the Texans, Houston laying four at home total of 44 and it's all about C.J. Stroud. If C.J. Stroud returns and is the C.J. Stroud pre-concussion, this line should be more than four. Uh, but if he struggles a little bit and he's not, you know, he hasn't had some practice time, especially with the lack of his weapons, so he hasn't gotten the comfort level with some of the other guys yet or the trust maybe in the other guys yet, I don't know. It's it's a game that I can't play it right now, but if I had to make a pick, it would be on Houston. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I would play Houston as well. I think even more so. I want to. I want to play the over in this game. Uh, I do think that the Titans' offense has a lot more explosiveness with with Will Levis uh, than it did with Tannehill. And you've seen the Texans' defense sort of fade. Like we knew that they didn't have the best players, and Will Anderson's missed a couple games. You can tell they miss him. Uh, but it started like the the lack of depth of good players is starting to show on that Texans' defense. But I think the offense is going to be rejuvenated both like on field and emotionally by getting CJ Stroud back. So I think they're able to put up some points. It's indoors on a fast track. Stroud's played so much better at home than on the road. Uh, And and again, I think having Levis back makes a big difference. Levis attacks down the field. Tannehill just doesn't do that. And I I think that makes a huge difference. So I I like there being a lot of points scored in this game. I, 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 I slightly lean to Houston on the side, but I don't want to do anything until CJ Stroud plays on the side or the total. Atlanta is at Chicago. The bears are laying three total of 38. And I guess traditionally you would say, I want to fade the dome team going to Chicago here, but did we see something from Atlanta last week that gives us confidence in them going up against the bears defense that has been one of the top units in the NFL over the past month? Well, we know Taylor Heineke is better than Desmond Ritter. De- De- I mean, clearly. it's clearly. It, and Heineke's not good. He's just better than Desmond Ritter. For me, it, it comes down to are, are the Bears the kind of team you want to lay a field goal with? And th- the answer for me is just a simple no. Um, I, I don't like the idea of Atlanta outdoors, but I think a lot of their their road problems are Desmond, R- Desmond Ritter related. And there's a lot of injuries piling up on, on the Chicago offense particularly with pass catchers, Cole Komet, uh, Darnell Mooney. Uh, their starting center is is not going to play. And DJ Moore basically missed the whole game last week with an ankle injury. So you can't run on Atlanta. So you're going to say, okay, Justin Fields, beat him with his, with your arm. I'll take my chances. I, I, I think, I, I again, the Falcons are a team that I've got no interest in betting on. I don't like the Falcons at all. This is just purely an anti-Chicago play. I, I think they've gotten overhyped in the market. I think people are just falling in love with this team. And when they were, a, a, it, you know, three weeks ago, when they would have been like a, you know, a, a one-point favorite or a, a maybe even a pick in this game, it made sense. Now, when you get to laying a field goal, I, I just don't think the Bears are on that level. 
Mason Rudolph and the Steelers are at the Seahawks. Seattle laying three and a half, total of 41. Can Pittsburgh recreate the magic from last week? No, uh, but I, I do think this is another classic Tomlin spot. You know, they came through last week. They're, they're now, you know, three and a half point dogs to make it back-to-back wins. They're 4-0 ATS catching three or more this season, and they won all four of those games outright. So this is a, these are the Tomlin spots. Uh, the Seahawks have won two straight games on last-minute touchdowns and games that they were outplayed in. I, I think the Seahawks are a little bit phony right now, uh, particularly on the offensive side. They, they have stopped running the ball well, and the Steelers, who have been much better against the pass all year than the run, but since Hayward came back, they've only allowed one game where the opponent got four yards per carry. I, I worry about Rudolph on the road. You know, that that's scary, uh, but he does get an extra day of prep. And I, I, I like I like the Steelers getting three and a half, but I like the under as well. Uh, the, this Seattle pass blocking against an elite Steelers pass rush is a complete mismatch. And I don't I don't think Seattle's going to get taken advantage of on the edges uh, like in the secondary where like where the uh, the Bengals did. I think Seattle good on the boundaries, whereas the Bengals were bad. And Rudolph's not going to go over the middle of the field because he's too he's too afraid to make a mistake. And that's where mm-hmm. the Seahawks are vulnerable. So I, I think this is one of those games where points are just real hard to come by. Bengals are at the Chiefs, Kansas City laying six and a half, total of 44. I'm on the under in this game, AJ. I think that with the familiarity as many times as the Bengals have played the Chiefs, especially in high leverage moments, I think Lou, uh, big Lou Anarumo is going to have some good defensive schemes to go up against this struggling Chiefs offense. And that's just a nice way of saying it. This Chiefs, Chiefs offense is struggling this year. But defensively, they're not. They're elite. And if you look at it, I mean, surprisingly, the Chiefs are the best under team in the NFL. They've been one of the best under teams <laughs> for years, like especially at home. Listen to these numbers. Now, you wouldn't think because you're like, oh, the Chiefs score so many points. The Chiefs have gone under in seven of their eight home games this year. They are 15-3 and three to the under at home in the last two seasons. And in his career with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, 35-22-1 to the under at Arrowhead. Wow. They're an under team. Yeah. I, I, and the more you've talked about this, the more you're talking me into the under. Uh, it feels like the, the right play. I, I wanted to back Kansas City here at seven um, because it feels like everybody's talking about how the Chiefs are broken. And that feels like the time I want to back the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. This Bengals defense got lit up by Mason Rudolph last week. But you're right. The, the Chiefs offense, it's hard to it's hard to want to back them right now. Um so I, I don't want to back KC getting margin. If I had to do it, that's what I'd do because I think they're they're probably hearing all the talk about the Raiders or the Broncos potentially winning the division, which I'm sure is uh, not setting well with them. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the under might be the, uh, the the sharpest look. The Chargers are at the Broncos. Jared Stidham starting at quarterback for Denver. Denver minus three and a half, total of 37. And I love Denver in this spot. I think that the Chargers are a dead team. And I think Denver is playing for something. I think Jared Stidham is playing for something. We saw him get his first start last year and throw for 365 yards when they went to him. And I think that that was against the 49ers. I think he's going to be able to do something similar here. And keep in mind, Sean Payton wanted this guy. They outbid the Raiders for him. And they knew about this move to bench Russell Wilson way before any of us did. So it's not like Jared Stidham found out on Tuesday that he was starting this weekend. He's known Sean Payton's prepped him. I think the Broncos roll here. 
Yeah, I, I I don't know if they roll, um, but I, I do I do think they're the only side I'd be interested in. I, I think when it was three, that was like a, a hammer spot. That that's a like I, you played three on the on the dream pod, and I think that's a, a really smart play. Fezzik played that as well. Um, but remember, this Broncos team just dominated the Chargers in L.A. a couple weeks ago, and that was with Justin Herbert. You know, the Broncos have something to play for. The Chargers don't. I think you saw the Chargers give their best effort last week. This, that was their big bounce back spot against Buffalo, and they still came up short. Keenan Allen's not going to play. Like if he didn't play last week, he's not going to play this week. Like none of these guys are interested. No, nobody's invested right now in this season. It's it's dead. It's over. So Denver, I, I think, is certainly the side to back here. And finally, Sunday night football, the Packers at the Vikings, Minnesota laying just one total of 43 and a half. There's been some movement because Minnesota is going with Jaron Hall at quarterback uh, over Nick Mullins. Yeah, and I don't I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily a downgrade, which makes me think maybe there's a little bit of value on Minnesota uh, because I, I, I can't imagine there's much of a drop off from Nick Mullins who threw six picks and two starts this season. So guy can't take care of the football. I mean, if Jaron Hall's playing, it's for good reason. And this is a bad, bad, bad Green Bay defense. Uh, and now they're without Jair Alexander for, because he's apparently got a – he wants to have his hands in the coin toss when he shouldn't. Um, and I wonder how the locker room handled that decision. I wonder if they're thrilled to have one of their guys suspended. I, I mean, when they're in the in the midst of trying to make the playoffs, I don't think they're going to, mm-hmm. but they're trying to. Uh, I can't imagine that the, the locker room is thrilled to be without him. I just I, I I think man Minnesota last week had they won I I'd, I'd feel a lot better about them I don't know where they're at from a motivation standpoint uh, I thought they should have won last week and it, it was it, there's got to be sort of a letdown for them here but I, I guess Green Bay comes to town you get up uh, I, I like Minnesota's defense a lot better uh, so I, I I lean to Minnesota thinking maybe there's a little bit of value uh, on on them with Jaron Hall playing. Yeah, I like it a lot, actually. All right, that'll do it for week 17 of the NFL season, uh, the preview for this weekend's action. I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas, and they got a water bottle, and they got, like, uh, celery chopped up. And let's forget about them, because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1. But I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect, is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1, and all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that, that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? Is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against? With Pick 6, you're not going against 
another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. Bowl season continues. First, before we uh, recap what happened last night and preview the game is coming up here for this Friday. For today, let me give you a little programming announcement. The New Year's Six kicks off tonight with the Cotton Bowl. And a refresher, the New Year's Six is the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Peach Bowl, and the Fiesta Bowl. Now, two of those games are college football playoff semifinal games, right? It's the uh, Sugar Bowl is Texas, Washington, and the Rose Bowl, Alabama, Michigan. All New Year's Six games, the six New Year's Six games, which include the two college football playoff semifinal games, will be previewed on a special New Year's Six pod that comes out later on today. So if you're listening here on Friday morning, Later on today, around noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time, is the release of the New Year's Six podcast. So uh, Cotton Bowl kicks off tonight at around 8 o'clock Eastern time. So you'll have like five hours to listen to it, to preview, if you want to get our thoughts on the Cotton Bowl between Ohio State, the Buckeyes, taking on Missouri, number seven against number nine. Kicking Missouri off number six. is actually Missouri. how the locals say it, Missouri. Missouri, Missouri. So if you want our thoughts on that, listen to the New Year's Six pod, but we will preview all of the New Year's Six games, including obviously the college World playoff semifinals on that separate podcast on uh, both RJ Bell's Dream Preview podcast feed and straight out of Vegas. We put it on both for your convenience. So let's talk about what we saw yesterday in bowl season, AJ. And the action started with the spicy wasabi Fenway bowl. I added the word spicy because it's I just, like that you know, though. Wasabi. It's nice. And Boston College as a double digit dog beats number 24 SMU 23-14. Thomas Castellanos, who is a predominantly a running quarterback. I I, I guess we can say that for Boston College. 21 carries, 156 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground for the Eagles. Yeah, and mind you, this was a a 14-10 game in the fourth quarter. SMU was up, and, you know, they they got back into this game and, and scored two touchdowns in the fourth to win it. Uh, I, I talked about this being a, a defensive matchup and and how SMU is is a lot better on defense than people thought, and they looked dominant on defense for three quarters. They let up late, and that was enough for them to lose the game. They were never going to cover this game. The offense just didn't do enough for them to cover. Uh, without Preston Stone, they just they just weren't good enough. Jennings is is okay, but he's he's not. I mean, he's more of a runner. They were never going to be able to put up the kind of points I, I don't think to uh, to cover this number uh, like I thought they would, but. The under was still a good play because the defense played well for almost the entire game. 
Uh, and Boston College was a lot better defensively than than I would have expected as well. So uh, mixed results from I, I was disappointed to see SMU get blown out because uh, mm-hmm. it looks like they got blown out as a 10 point favorite. But watching the game, I mean, this this game, like I said, 14 to 10 in the fourth quarter, SMU was up. They just let off the gas, and, and Castellanos knocked off a couple of big runs, not really a couple quick, big drives uh, in back-to-back drives that, that gave Boston College the lead. And SMU, without Preston Stone, definitely not built to play from behind. At the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium, Rutgers wins a de facto home game, 31-24 over Miami. Kyle Manungai, the running back for Rutgers, 163 yards and a touchdown on the ground. 1-11. and That is Miami's bowl record since 2005. 2-10 ATS. This is one of the worst bowl teams, bowl programs. Well, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something, AJ. You go to school in Miami. It's a party all year round. The weather is incredible all year round. Is there any place, maybe like the Bahamas Bowl, but is there any place that you're going to go to that's going to be, like, appealing for you? No. Unless you're staying in Florida, like, what? Do you think they want to go into the cold of New York or they want to go anywhere no. else? They want Do you think they want to leave South Beach and go maybe play go- somewhere else? Maybe they'd take the Hawaii Bowl or the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. But, yeah, for the most part, yeah, none of those trips are all that great. Maybe the Las Vegas Bowl. uh, But, yeah, going to Fenway Park to play in the cold and the rain, I don't think was high on their things to do list. They actually were more competitive than I figured they would be. Uh, I I played Rutgers as a dog before they flipped to a favorite. I played them on the money line as a dog. Um, I, I just said there's just no way Miami comes up here and wins this game in this kind of weather. And it went about that way. Miami fought harder than I thought they would, but they just they weren't they weren't in it. Their hearts weren't in it. And Rutgers, you could tell, cared. The Pop Tarts Bowl, number twenty five, Kansas State defeated number eighteen, NC State twenty eight nineteen. Avery Johnson uh, played quarterback for Kansas State, one hundred and seventy eight yards and two touchdowns through the air. Yeah, it felt like uh, NC State was going to make a comeback. They they got down early and they started to make a comeback, and then Kansas State runs off an eight-minute touchdown drive in the fourth quarter, just controlled the clock, kept converting third downs and, you know, they and third and longs in some instances because they were getting penalties called on them. And when they scored that touchdown, NC State had one chance to go down and cover, and uh, they Brendan Armstrong throws a pick on his first pass attempt. But uh, this game was, this was a two-point game with just a couple minutes to go, and – uh, of course, my dumbass laid two and a half with North Carolina State, and uh, up until the very end, felt like I was in good shape. That long touchdown drive by Kansas State. This was a game that I didn't think they were going to take seriously. If this was a good bowl game, like I watched the game, both teams cared. There were a lot of opt outs for Kansas State. The guys who did play played hard. I, I give Kansas State a lot of credit, and probably you know their coach Chris Kleiman is is a guy that I should have known would have his guys playing hard. Uh, but yeah, this was, this was one of the more competitive bowl games we've seen this year because it felt like both teams actually gave a damn. And in the Alamo bowl, number 14, Arizona beats number 12, Oklahoma 38, 24 Jackson Arnold started for Oklahoma. He threw for 361 yards and two scores, but he threw three interceptions as well. Arizona getting a defensive score in this game and Noah Fafita, I, I, I look. You hate to do this, but it's a season of what if for Arizona. 
Because yeah. if Fafita was the starting quarterback from week one, is this team in the college football playoff? Like, I know that sounds crazy, AJ, but, like, Fafita only lost to USC in overtime, the 43-41 triple overtime game, and yep. lost and lost to Washington. So By, by one score. Like, by one score. And so let's say, like, you know, the, the couple of games before he took over at quarterback, which was um, – The know, only loss was the – Mississippi- at- at Mississippi State, yeah. The Mississippi State game, right? So, like, if they um, if they beat Mississippi State there, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're certainly in a New Year's Six game and not in the Alamo Bowl, at least. Yeah, and, and in that game, Jaden Delora, uh, he, he threw for 342 yards and two touchdowns, but he also threw four picks. So, it yep. was a uh, – a mixed bag for him there. Yeah, it's it is a season of what ifs. I, I don't think they would have made the playoff because I think they would have played Washington again, and I just think Washington's better than them. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. But I, I do think this was this was really a program building year for Arizona. This is a huge win, you know, in a game. The Alamo Bowl, big deal to most programs, but to Arizona, putting that Alamo Bowl trophy in your case is is huge for a. This is a basketball school. Let's face it. Uh, so for for them to have this kind of success, have a a, a ten win season in football uh get a win over oklahoma the oklahoma mm-hmm. university you beat them in a the bowl future game. sec the future sec team yeah and, and to finish the finish the season with seven straight wins i i think it's a huge deal i think there's going to be a ton of kids who want to come play for jed fish uh it's a fun offense so yeah i i think this was a a massive massive step for arizona i i, I think this is they, they needed this you know as they go into a new conference as well Let's talk about the games that we have on schedule for today. The action gets kicked off at noon Eastern time in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl from Jacksonville. Number 22, Clemson against Kentucky and Clemson laying four points. Yeah, I wish I had a, a better feel for this. Uh, I want to I want to Kentucky here. Both teams have a lot of opt outs. But my thought is I, I don't want to fade Clemson because if you've got two teams who, who have a ton of opt outs, you have to look at who do you think has more depth? And my guess is that Clemson has guys who haven't even been on the field that are going to eventually play in the NFL. Kentucky doesn't have that. If Kentucky gets a guy who's going to play in the NFL, he's on the field. So my thought is with all the opt-outs, Clemson's the only way I want to look here, but I've I've got no appetite to back them. So this is going to be a pass for me. Yeah, I mean, that's the way I lean. I lean Clemson in this one because you mentioned when it comes down to depth and Clemson clearly has – more depth and the coaching edge goes to, uh, you know, Dabo as well. In the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl being played at the Sun Bowl in El Paso, <laughs> Texas, you have number 16 Notre Dame, number 19 Oregon State, and the Irish laying six points, AJ. Yeah, this is the opt out bowl. Uh, no DJ Uyungalale. Uh, his backup, Aiden Childs, is not going to play. Ben Golbrison is going to be the starter. He was he played I think seven or eight games last year. Didn't do yep. much. I I think the the Beavers are going to try to stay committed to the run probably more than usual because they don't want Golbrison to screw anything up. But that's also tough because Damian Martinez got arrested, uh, so he's out. Yeah, he's not Se- playing. Yep. Several offensive linemen are out. So this team that is built to run the football doesn't have the guys to do it. Meanwhile, Notre Dame. They're down to a bare bones unit as well. Sam Hartman's gone. His top three wide receivers are gone. The offensive coordinator's gone. Oregon State's missing some guys in the secondary, but I don't think it matters because who are you, who do you have to cover? 
Uh, the, the Beaver's strength on D is against the run. Their front seven's pretty much intact. I'm going to just play the under here. I, I think both these offenses have a really hard time getting things going. This feels like a keep the clock moving, get out of dodge type of game. Uh, I, I like under 41 and a half with a couple backup quarterbacks playing. Yeah, I like the under. I lean Notre Dame because uh, defensively they have most of their guys, and and that's the thing, yeah. right? If if you have the starters on defense, they're going to come out focused. I don't know what to expect from Angeli at quarterback for Notre Dame, but I do expect the defense to show up and and limit Oregon State. And in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, played at Liberty Bibbity. Liberty Stadium in Memphis. Uh, Memphis takes on Iowa State. It's a home game for Memphis. Iowa State, though, is 10.5-point favorites. Yeah, I'm not crazy about this Memphis team. Like, you see 9-3, but when you go through their schedule, they, they haven't done a whole lot. I'm just scared to lay 10.5 points with Iowa State. I will say, you said it's a home game. Remember, there the, there's a ticket allotment for both teams. There's Iowa State, their fans travel really well. Uh, and and they finished the season strong. They they gave Texas a hell of a fight. Uh, they they won at Kansas State to end the season. They want to end the season on a high note. But AJ, um, it's a home game. It is a home like, game. It's like, in their building. Like, it's a home yeah. game. You okay, but here's the question. Let me ask you this. Dog. Well, let's ask this question. Okay. It's bowl season. Do you want to do you want to go somewhere and do something cool for bowl season? We talked about Miami. Where would they want to go? Like, if you're from Memphis, don't you want to go anywhere but Memphis? Like, don't you want to like have a trip? Like, you you play all season. You're like, all right, where are we going? We're gonna have some cool bowl game. No, you're staying here. You're staying in your dorm room. Uh, it just doesn't. Maybe maybe that's a a downer as well, right? I just think that Memphis is a team that takes pride at playing at home. You know that the entire community supports them. And they've they've been so good at home over the past several years. I yeah. just think like I don't know. I I feel like at home they they feel maybe disrespected by this line. I wouldn't be surprised if they win the game outright. AJ, like I, I'm not saying that talent wise they're they're on the same level, but this is their home stadium, and I gotta believe that they're gonna be ready to play in this game. Yeah, uh, and they don't have a ton of opt-outs, you know, a couple offensive linemen, and um, but neither does Iowa State. I- Iowa State, is, like, basically, if it, the starters are in. Uh, I think they've got one guy, one one cornerback who's not going to play, and other than that, they are, they're going. Um, so I, I think both teams are fully motivated. It's just a matter of how good do you think Iowa State is and uh, how good do you think Memphis is. I, I'm pulling up my power ratings now, my, my last power ratings, and it, because this is one of the games where there's not a lot of opt-outs, I can get kind of an idea of what this game should be. And I've got it about – nine and a half points so maybe at ten and a half maybe you are getting a little bit of value well that'll do it for the previews of uh today's games tonight the new year's six will kick off with number nine Missouri and number seven ohio state in the cotton bowl at jerry's world at&t stadium ohio state a four and a half point favorite total of 49 and a half you can catch our preview of that game as well as the rest of the new year's six on our separate new year's six preview podcast which does include the two college ball playoff semi uh, semifinal games at the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. While we're previewing the games, AJ, let's take a look at some games tomorrow that are not a part of the New Year's Six. Maryland takes on Auburn in the Transperfect Music City Bowl. Auburn laying six and a half with a total of 47 and a half. I don't want to lay that kind of number with an Auburn offense that's been super roller coastery this year, but 
I also can't back Maryland without Tonga Vailoa. Like he's been so important to them. Uh, him sitting out of this game, just I, I've got no idea what to expect from Maryland. Their offense has been like the one constant. Their defense is up and down, up and down, but the offense has been solid because Talia Tonga Vailoa has been so good. He's out. I'm out on this game totally. I'm certainly not laying a, a, a damn near a touchdown with this Auburn team. And the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl is Toledo and Wyoming. Wyoming, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think it's important to note that Wyoming, this is the retirement game uh, for their head coach. And if you if you told me that Craig Bowl is, is coaching his last game in a bowl mm-hmm. game, Wyoming's going to play hard. They've got almost no opt-outs. They are going to – they're going to go for it. Um, As far as Toledo, Daquan Finn being gone, like what made Toledo good this year was they were the only team in the MAC who had consistency at the quarterback position. Daquan Finn, he's gone. Um, I I don't know if Quinion Mitchell's going to play. He's their best defensive player. He's one of those guys who is there, and he's he's been at some practices, but not all the practices. I I don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, but it would be Wyoming or nothing for me. I think this is an under game, too. I, I think seeing Toledo without Daquan Finn, you're going to see that this is not a very good offense. Well, that'll do it for our bowl previews. Again, catch the New Year's Six podcast either on the Straight Out of Vegas podcast feed or RJ Bell's Dream Preview. AJ, last night in the NBA, the number one most bet on bet in the NBA across sports books was the Detroit Pistons money line. Again, let me let me. <laughs> What's well, the first thing me. I said when we started the show yesterday morning was, hey, Pistons money line, right? Uh, but I, I certainly didn't bet it. Let, let me just, let me, let me clarify that again for those who, um, you know, maybe not have, have, might not have heard me. The Detroit Pistons, who prior to last night, lost an NBA record 27 straight games, were 17-point underdogs to the Boston Celtics, who were 14-0 at home. And at plus 850 on the money line, the Pistons were the most bet on money line on DraftKings Sportsbook and BetMGM and everywhere else that reported bets. Well... The Pistons took the Celtics into overtime where they covered but did not win. The Celtics picked up their 15th straight win at home, 15-0 on the season, 128-122, as the Pistons now capture the NBA record. Uh, remember, they had the single season record at 27. The overall NBA record was 28. Now they have that 28 consecutive losses for the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, a something to be proud of. It's something you can't do every year. You know, this is a it's, I'd like I'd like to take this moment to recognize their achievement. This is something that uh, no, no other team can say now uh, over two seasons, one season. It doesn't matter. The Pistons are your standalone champions for the worst run in NBA history. Cade Cunningham missed a three-pointer with six seconds left in regulation that would have given them the lead. Mm. Uh, But Boyan Bogdanovich got the rebound and tipped it in to tie the game. And then Jason Tatum missed the buzzer beater. So it was, you know, like they had a chance. Like, I mean, I don't know if Cunningham makes that shot. Like, do they win the game? Does Tatum make that shot? I don't know. But what a fun, what a fun night uh, sweating out a plus 850 underdog, you know, money line if you had it. 
and then watching them lose in overtime. Uh, elsewhere, the Pacers beat the Bulls 120 to 104. That's a low scoring game, AJ. It is an incredibly low scoring game, but man, it was a hell of a performance. I didn't think that Tyrese Halliburton was going to play. There were questions of whether he would play or not, uh, which is why I was against playing the over in this game. Not only did he play, though, 20 assists, zero yeah. turnovers. What a game for Tyrese Halliburton. And so, again, the Bulls didn't pull their weight if they were going to get to an over. Uh, but, man, incredible performance by Halliburton here. Yeah, that is a that's some performance. Uh, speaking of some performance, Anthony Edwards scored 44 points as the Timberwolves beat the Mavericks 118-110. It was the Pelicans over the Jazz 112-105. The Nuggets beat the Grizzlies 142-105. Jokic with a triple-double, 26 points, 14 boards, 10 assists, his 12th triple-double of the season. Yeah, AJ was wrong about this one. I thought maybe the Grizz could hang with them uh, since John Moran's <laughs> been back. He's been playing well. Uh, not the case last night. The Nuggets just put a waxing on that team. Yes, they did. The Heat beat the Warriors 114-102. The Spurs topped the Blazers 118-105. AJ was right on this one when I said, who the hell are the Blazers to be laying eight points to anybody? Mm -hmm. That didn't make any sense, and they lose outright to San Antonio. Yeah, Victor Wembanyama scored 30 points. And the Lakers beat the Hornets 133 to 112, 26, 8, and 4 blocks for Anthony Davis. Here's what's on your schedule tonight in the NBA. The Knicks are at the Magic. Orlando, one-and-a-half-point favorites. Nets visit the Wizards. Brooklyn laying six-and-a-half. The Kings are at the Hawks. Sacramento, minus one-and-a-half. Raptors at the Celtics. Boston, minus nine-and-a-half. Does the shock of going into overtime against the Pistons last night roll over to tonight for I mean, the Celtics? It, it's overtime, and it's a back-to-back, -back and it's a, a relatively early start at, at 4.30 or 4.30 our time. Like, I, yeah, I, I think I, I don't want to back the Celtics here coming off that. No way. That was a high-intensity yeah. high game. You're right. You're right. Um, and if you look, uh, let's see. Um, this year, teams on the second of a back-to-back when you are home, I guess, on the second of a back-to-back, -back, 30, th 30, 37, and 2 ATS. And I guess if you were home the last game as well, 19, 21, and 1 ATS. Um, so we'll see. I mean, that's a lot of points to lay here for Boston. Bucks are at the Cavs. Milwaukee minus 5.5. Sixers at the Rockets. Philly minus 1.5. Thunder at the Nuggets. Denver laying 3.5. Hornets at the Suns. Phoenix, 14.5 point favorites. Spurs and Blazers are going to run it back. And the Grizzlies are at the Clippers. L.A. laying 6.5. You know, the NBA, ever since COVID, doing these series, you know, like the two-game series yeah. in the same uh, location. I don't know whether I like it or, or don't like it. I think it's kind of weird when you play the same team. I mean, baseball does it. You know, obviously it's a baseball thing, but yeah, I don't know. For NBA, it's 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 you know, I don't know if I bought into it. Yet. Only one game in the top twenty-five yesterday: Oklahoma, an eighty-eight seventy-two winner against Central Arkansas. But you were a loser if you played Oklahoma against the spread. Uh, so. ATS betters for Oklahoma football and basketball yesterday took it in the shorts. Today, Purdue laying 30 points 
against Eastern Kentucky. They, Purdue does tend to blow these teams out at home, so it wouldn't shock me, but that is a massive number for Purdue against Eastern Kentucky. Uh, regular Kentucky is laying 19.5 against Illinois State. Clemson laying 16.5 against a feisty Radford team, although Radford hasn't been that great away from home, but a, a pretty solid you know, mid-major program, low-major program. Uh, I could see them hanging around with the Tigers. North Carolina, 32.5-point favorites against Charleston Southern. If I was looking for a team to, to have a blowout spot, it might be this North Carolina team rested at, after the break, this Charleston Southern team not really built to hang with the size that North Carolina has. Texas, a 14-and-a-half-point favorite against UNC Greensboro. Illinois, who's dealing with some stuff, they're going through it right now. Uh, they are playing fairly Dickinson, and it's off the board in a lot of places because Terrence Shannon, who is you know maybe a, an All-American candidate, a first-round NBA draft pick, has been arrested and charged with rape uh in lawrence kansas where he went down for an illinois kansas football game apparently had it wasn't on school business uh but he has been charged and is not with the team so illinois who is number 11 in the country has been playing really good ball uh who knows what they're going to look like especially tonight dealing with all the uh the drama surrounding that gonzaga a seven and a half point favorite hosting san diego state your national championship runner-up catching almost eight points uh, in the kennel where in the Mark View era, they are close to 60% ATS. And number four, Arizona, laying 14 and a half on the road against the dregs of the Pac-12, Cal. Let me give you a best bet that is not a top 25 game. I'm going to go with Utah minus seven hosting Washington State. And this is Wazoo making their first road trip of the season. They've got to do it at elevation where the Utes always have a nice home court edge. And Washington State's big advantage over most teams is their size. They've got a bunch of big, plodding dudes. Utah's the biggest team in the country, though. And Utah's bigs, unlike Washington State's, can shoot. So you pull those Wazoo bigs out of the paint. It should open up some cuts. Utah always has four shooters on the floor. They've already gotten a signature win at home against BYU. And as long as they're healthy, which they weren't for a good chunk of last year, I think this is one of the best teams in the Pac-12 uh right now they are rolling and wazoo relies on those bigs creating second chances i think the utes limit that miles rice has been awesome at the point for the cougars but he's a freshman and playing his first road game makes me think he could struggle a little bit here in a tough environment so give me utah minus seven on the ice last night, the Hurricanes beat the Canadiens 5-3. Flyers top the Canucks 4-1. VGK, a 3-2 win over the Kings. Boom. And the Oilers blank the Sharks 5-0. Let's take a look at a much deeper schedule tonight in the NHL. Devils are at the Senators. New Jersey, minus 120, total of 6.5. Predators are at the Red Wings. Detroit, minus 115. Rangers are at the Panthers. Florida is a favorite in this game, minus 130. Rangers might be the DraftKings dog of the day. Love it. Panthers are at the Blue Jackets. Toronto is minus 200. Capitals at the Islanders. New York minus 155. Low total of five and a half. And again, I'm not saying that it's an auto play, AJ, but NHL totals of five and a half this season have gone over the majority of the time this season. How many times? 22 and 13 to the over this season when it's a total 
of five and a half. Avalanche are at the Blues. Colorado's minus 165. Blackhawks at the Stars. Dallas minus 380. The Coyotes at the Ducks. Arizona's minus 130. Ducks are playing good hockey right now. I wouldn't necessarily count them out as dogs here. And the Flyers are at the crack in Seattle. Minus 130. Make sure you guys head to pregame.com. Take advantage right now of the $30 offer we are giving out to you because this weekend is a holiday weekend and you can take $30 off the weekender all access, the holiday weekender all access. Basically, you get every single pick from your favorite pregame pro for the entire weekend through New Year's Day on Monday. The promo code is CHEERS30. Cheers to the new year. Cheers 30 gets you $30 off. You could take your $30 off any best bet package, which includes a game of the year, or you can use it to get an additional discount on the holiday weekend or all access. Again, get every pick in every sport from your favorite pregame pro through New Year's Day on Monday. The promo code, once again, Cheers 30. And speaking of Cheers, uh, we will not have an episode on uh, New Year's Eve slash new year's day so uh if you want to get our thoughts on the new year's day football games which include the college football playoff you must listen to the new year's six podcast which will be out later on this afternoon three o'clock eastern time 12 o'clock pacific time on rj bell's dream preview podcast feed and straight out of vegas podcast feed the new year's six bowl preview with aj hoffman and myself for aj i'm scott have a happy a healthy and safe new year from all of us straight out of vegas hey yeah